Welcome to the Gut Podcast on the paper Gastrointestinal Syndromes Preceding a Diagnosis of Parkinson's Disease Testing Bracts Hypothesis Using a Nationwide Database for Comparison with Alzheimer's Disease and Cerebrovascular Diseases Published in Paper Copy in Gut in November 2023 my name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of GUT and Honorary Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom. And I extend a very warm welcome to Dr. Jay Pazricha, Chair of the Department of Medicine, Mayo Clinic, Arizona, Arizona, USA, and Boo Kernings, Final Year Medical Student and Researcher at the Translational Research Centre for Gastrointestinal Disorders at KU Leuven, University Hospitals, Leuven, Belgium. Boo Konings is the first author on this excellent paper, and Dr. Pazricha is the senior author. Both of you, thank you so much for joining me today to do this podcast, and congratulations to you and to your cohort on your excellent paper. Firstly, could I ask you to explain the background to your paper and why researching this area is important. Well, thank you, Dr. Smith, for the uh, introduction, and thank you for inviting us to this podcast. To answer your question, I think the importance is, is very quickly apparent when we just consider the natural progression of Parkinson's disease, because very often at first presentation, when patients present in a clinic with a tremor or falls, then the disease has already progressed to a point where there is major irreversible damage in the central nervous system. So Instead of starting our treatment at that moment in time, the big goal seems to be trying to avoid these changes from occurring in the first place. And for that, you obviously need to better understand how this disease develops uh, in the, the early stages. And so what's interesting is that the first one to write about the connection between the gut and Parkinson's disease was actually Parkinson himself. So in his, his original essay, he actually wrote that the bowels of his, his patients actually required a stimulating medicine of, of considerable power. Uh, fast forwarding a couple of hundred years, uh, we have Brack and his colleagues who published this groundbreaking paper stating the hypothesis that actually these Lewy body particles, um, so the protein aggregates that are very specific to Parkinson's disease, that they actually might originate in the gastrointestinal tract and then travel through the vagal nerve to the central nervous system, where they then cause the specific symptoms that we now consider to be Parkinson's disease. And really, since then, many researchers have started looking into this quite interesting hypothesis, among which Dr. Pasricha as well, who has been researching the topic for many years now, to investigate how exactly the enteric nervous system might be linked to uh, the development of Parkinson's disease. And so since then, there have been many papers both in favor, but also against the hypothesis. And at this moment in time, it seems like the truth is somewhere in the middle where some patients with Parkinson's disease actually had preceding gastrointestinal symptoms and some did not. So some refer to this these phenotypes as being the gut-first and brain-first phenotype of Parkinson's disease. So still at this moment in time today, the big question is still, does Parkinson's disease start in the gut and, and what does that look like? And so what we, what we knew going into our study was that constipation often preceded Parkinson's disease even decades before 
the first motor symptoms occurred. But then, considering the BRAC hypothesis, then we really found no appealing reason to believe that constipation would be the only manifestation of this underlying process that would be going on, especially because the vagal nerve has very strong connections to the stomach and the esophagus as well. And so that's when we uh, decided to do something that hadn't been done before, which is investigating the entire gastrointestinal tract prior to a diagnosis of, of Parkinson's disease. Yes, I would like to add to that that there is now considerable experimental evidence in animal studies that suggests that Parkinson's or something like Parkinson's can originate in the gut. We published a paper along with Dr. Ted Dawson's group at Johns Hopkins where we showed that if you injected what is widely considered to be a pathological form of the protein that is responsible, at least in part, for Parkinson's, i.e. alpha-synuclein, into the gut, it can travel up the vagus nerve into the brainstem and from there to other regions of the brain and cause a phenotype that is very similar to Parkinson's. If you cut the vagus nerve, that doesn't happen. So there is at least a theoretical and scientific basis to suggest that Parkinson's can originate in the gut. Now, of course, that's very hard to reproduce in humans, if not uh, impossible. And we are left with interrogating large databases like we did to suggest that there is at least an association. And even if we can't prove causality at this point, it sets the ground for further studies. Thank you. Thank you. That's fascinating, um, all of that, and uh, really interesting to, to, to try and understand. In terms of um, your, for your study, you used a large medical record network. Could you elaborate on exactly how you aim to answer this, this research question? Yes, absolutely. Really in our paper, and it's very apparent in our discussion, we, we spend a lot of time explaining how exactly we aimed to tackle common sources of bias in this, this study. Because I believe, and, and it, I believe that these large networks, they're really a treasure of information, but more so, or at least in a different way, when compared to prospective studies or single center studies that are more easily controlled for, you really have to be very elaborate and comprehensive in your study design to create conclusions that are robust and that can be, that can be replicated. So first we decided to implement two different complementary study designs uh, that essentially look at the, the same uh, association but from different perspectives. So we have the case control study design that looks backwards in patients that have already developed Parkinson's disease at how many of them had GI symptoms. And then we also have the court study design where we look at patients that have been diagnosed with a certain GI syndrome or with specific GI symptoms and then look at how many of them develop Parkinson's disease. So we then also included other neurological diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease, cerebrovascular diseases, to also look at how specific these findings were for Parkinson's disease, and so to provide some more confidence that 
it's linked to the Brock hypothesis. And also very importantly, I briefly want to mention that we also did some kind of an empirical correction for the potential impact of surveillance bias. So um, essentially what we did was collect some some comorbidities that were not really uh, linked to Parkinson's disease before in the literature, and then assessed to what extent surveillance bias was actually impacting and influencing our results, and then correcting our odds ratios for this, this phenomenon. So these are some of the, the things that we did to make a really comprehensive uh, study design. Okay, thank you. That's, that's really very clear. So what are the new findings your paper has highlighted? Well, so after distilling, essentially distilling our findings based on what we just talked about, uh, about our study design choices, we ended up with four conditions that in both of our study designs specifically increased the risk of subsequent development of Parkinson's disease. And so these four conditions, they were dysphagia, gastroparesis, irritable bowel syndrome without diarrhea, and constipation. So dysphagia, difficulty swallowing, uh, gastroparesis, uh, to make it clear, is a condition that's characterized by a delayed stomach emptying uh, and symptoms such as nausea, vomiting, uh, early satiety, and so on. A very interesting finding as well in our courts and in our case control analysis was that an appendectomy actually was protective against the development of Parkinson's disease. And although it might sound very strange or surprising, it's actually not the first time that this has been described. The appendix has been pointed at for a while as a potential source of this pathological form of alpha-synuclein, and that it might actually lead catalyze the development of Parkinson's disease. And uh, there have been studies that have suggested that doing an appendectomy might actually delay the onset of Parkinson's disease or might protect against the development as a whole. IBD, interestingly, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, although there has been an association in the literature with the development of Parkinson's disease, actually did not come out significant uh, in both of our study designs. So summarizing these findings, using our, our large network, this study provides observational evidence that disorders across the entire gastrointestinal tract are actually present at a higher rate before the development of, of Parkinson's disease and that they actually might uh, predict its development. Thank you. I would add to that, inflammatory bowel disease, as Bo said, has been implicated in some studies and we cannot rule out a real association between IBD and subsequent development of Parkinson's. But what we can say is that we also cannot rule out surveillance bias. To the best of our knowledge, this is the most rigorous attempt to correct for surveillance bias that always creeps into analyses of these sorts. So you can say that we can speak with confidence on the positive findings that we have shown. For the negative findings, i.e. the lack of association, there may still be the possibility that they can predispose to Parkinson's, but our data suggests that this may not be as robust as some of the other conditions. Thank you. Again, that's very, very clear. So can I ask how might this paper impact on clinical practice in the foreseeable future? Well, if I may comment on that, first and foremost, there is no need for alarm amongst patients or 
the general community. The absolute risk of developing Parkinson's, even if you had these conditions, and even if there is a real cause and effect, is very low. We do think that awareness of this may lead to some patients seeking help from their physicians with concern about what to do next. We believe that an expectant approach is the best way to go forward, recognizing that cause and effect has not been proven, the absolute risk is low, and the benefits of doing any intervention at this stage are completely unproven. There are studies that are being planned, one of them by the National Institutes of Health in the U.S., that are going to now start probing this association at a more granular level. We believe that those studies are a right step, but may take several years to really mature and uh, display their findings. Until then, rest assured, we have shown that there are some risk factors, but more importantly, we are trying to uncover the root cause of Parkinson's in at least a subset of patients. We do not believe that every patient with Parkinson's will have a problem originating in the gut. But even if there is a smaller cohort of patients with that, this can have the potential for possibly early biomarker detection and prevention. The gut, after all, is far more accessible than the brain is in terms of obtaining tissue. Thank you. Thank you. And my final question, which you've touched on really already, is how might this paper impact on research priorities in the foreseeable future, do you think? There's a tremendous amount of research that needs to be done. Parkinson's is as yet a disease that does not have drugs that can satisfactorily address the underlying pathology. We've had symptomatic treatments for a long time, but what we really need are disease-modifying drugs. I think if this research matures and we can show with confidence that the pathology may begin in the gut, then we have a way potentially of preventing its progression. This is, I think, the most important aspect of our study, one step further to uncover the root cause of Parkinson's. I hope that this study will inspire and motivate others to pick up where we have left off and build on this hypothesis. And whether it's right or wrong, go forward with the science that is needed, both experimentally as well as in humans. Yes, if I can briefly comment on that. I think this study is very interesting in the hypothesis as a whole of just being open to reconsidering what we think of when we think about Parkinson's disease as a neurological illness uh, but before we can actually really believe that it actually 
originates in the gut, we obviously need way more research. Uh, and I'm, I'm very confident that this paper might be that key piece of evidence that just um, might be that little push for some researchers to pursue uh, prospective studies, for example, in, in the field. Dr. Smith, if I may add, so let's assume for a moment that this hypothesis will be proven correct or is correct. Even so, there are so many questions. How does it originate in the gut? What is the role of the microbiota? Where is pathological alpha-synuclein formed? And is it necessary for pathological alpha-synuclein in the gut to form before it can cause Parkinson's, or are there other mechanisms? This is really the start of the journey, and we have taken perhaps the first step. I will say we are not the only ones who have taken steps in this direction. What we have done is probably provided the largest and most stringent evidence to show this association. But as I always say, our path was lit by many others, including Dr. Brack himself many years ago. Well, thank you both um, so much for, for doing this podcast. I think it's really interesting, really exciting, and you've, you've definitely inspired me. The paper's also been a big hit online and on social media, so congratulations to you and to your fantastic team on producing such a great paper that, was being, uh, that has been published um, in GUT. To our listeners, I hope you've really enjoyed this podcast. I have. If you'd like to read the paper... Uh, attach this podcast which i strongly suggest you do there's a link underneath this podcast and of course please do join us again in the future for further episodes of the gut podcast thank you very much for listening